0: Well, hello, 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 and welcome to Queertown's Best of 2022 episode. My name is Mace Kerwick, and I am joined here in the Queertown Clubhouse by our wonderful producer, Kristen Washington. Hello, hello. Kristen, it's so good to see you. Thank you for sitting down with me.
1: Of course. I'm happy to be here, always.
0: So you actually have not always been here, which I think is the whole point of this episode. So we've been doing the live show for five years now. And late last year, I launched the podcast with Laura, Javi, and Trusky. And early in 2022, we were both at our friend Jenny Shen's house and I turned to you at some point in the evening. And I was like, Kristen, I'm loving Town the podcast, but holy shit. We have no idea what we're doing. I mean, it was a new format. It was a new, you know, energy for the show. And you just looked at me and said, How can I help? And I so, so appreciate that. And I appreciate you being down to sit with me and sort of look back at the year that was because. We launched the first season this year. Yeah. And then we also launched our second season, which we're in the midst of right now. Yeah. And so over the past 12 months, we have released 21 episodes. I think this will be the 21st episode. So uh, cheers, queers. Cheers Let's take it. a shot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's been really nice uh, being a part of the team. I know I've really enjoyed going back and listening to a lot of the episodes, um, kind of for this episode, but honestly, just because you've produced in this incredible safe haven of a podcast, honestly, to listen to. And it's always a joy to just like put it in my earbuds and do my thing whether it's on a run or around my house cleaning (laughs) lol like i clean um (laughs) where i attempt to convince myself that i'm going to clean um but yeah it's been really fun um kind of going back down memory lane listening to some of these episodes so i'm really excited to sort of present the ones that i think uh deserve a little bit more spotlight or some like re Recognition? Is that the word I want to use? No. But, I
0: think uh, so. Re-recognition. Yeah, let's word? move forward. I don't know if it is, <laughs> but I, I you know, I was there for all of these episodes while we recorded them and while we worked through them during post-production. And just preparing for today, there's quite a bit that I had forgotten myself. And re-listening to things was like, oh my gosh, wow, there's that whole a conversation within the conversation mm-hmm. that was just this fascinating, unexpected little golden nugget of information. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm curious to see what you are going to share with me.
1: Well, sit back, relax. No, don't do either of those things. We've we've got shit to talk about. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, well, the first one on my list is probably one of my favorite episodes. I probably have listened to it upwards of five times. Um, wow. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, episode three of season one with Michael Barnes. Um, just a, what a wonderful episode. It's like a neatly packaged history lesson about Austin, um, queer Austin uh, from, what was it, like the 80s and early 90s. What a fun listen! Um, and Michael Barnes is such a delight to to listen to and to talk so eloquently about what he's good at.
0: He was so gracious for agreeing to sit down with us and being so open with his life i mean i remember he was talking about his experiences with his partner of 32 years we've had a, a range of ages on the show but michael definitely brought a perspective that i was really excited to get to feature on the show because he has seen austin Uh, since before I was born, you know, and I've lived here the majority of my life and I grew up reading his column in the paper. So it just meant so much, uh, for me, for him to sit down with us.
1: That's awesome. Um, well, we loved having him on the show and, uh, we hope you enjoy this little clip of episode three with Michael Barnes.
2: I I, I, I do (laughs) want to point out, for instance, that y'all are in comedy. Right. And well, you already know that, but I wanted to point out that, uh, probably the leading comedy troupe in town, Esther's Follies started out sure. in a, a gay commune, hippie commune, uh, north of the Capitol, uh, and that the people who were involved in that commune and who got involved in, uh, radical protest theater on the UT campus, um, were the founders uh, of Esther's Follies. And, uh, and they did first a, a kind of experimental sketch thing at Liberty Lunch, which was the, the great old club then. And then they started the Follies, I think, at the Ritz Theater on 6th Street. And, and they moved a couple of times, and now they have been at Red River and 6th Street for a very long time. But here is this iconic uh, a comedy troupe, but it was started by uh, this kind of hippie gay commune. That is really fascinating. Did
3: Just, you know
0: that, Mace? I, didn't I, I did not know that. No, okay. I mean, Esther's Follies is, is like I, I grew up going to those shows, sure. and uh, like Roy and Shannon. It's it's such a like institution here, mm-hmm. but but it's such a um, like tourist facing thing
2: now. Yes. Yeah. Well, and, and and you know that's when you get successful to become a tourist thing. <laughs> yeah. <know>? Yeah. <laughs> you know it's like, well, do I turn them away or do I keep entertaining people who are paying me good money to to perform?
0: Yeah, two shows a night.
2: Yeah. 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 No, and and in, in, it's still very funny. I went during one of the troughs in the pandemic and <laughs> I just had a blast. Oh,
0: good. Yeah.
2: And I still can't figure out how Ray Anderson does those tricks. That's just
3: <laughs> this is the magician. That, the magician. They, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of bachelorette parties, I think we just spoke about these. Earlier. My my mom's uh, very good friend was me- remarried recently. Love that. And uh, they had their bachelor party at Esther's Follies. I couldn't come because I had a, a GD comedy show. But uh, Bonica, my wife, went and she was like, you have to go to this, by the <laughs> way. Like, do not have your nose in the air about Esther's Follies, my oh, love. Oh, do not. Do, do not because you're going to be entertained. And it is. it feels like very singular Austin, very iconically mm-hmm. Austin. And you, as a comedian in Austin, need to go see this. And... um. Embarrassed to admit, I still have not gone oh, oh. to Esther's Follies. I, I now that we're talking, post Omicron crest.
0: I'm, I'm good. I'm gonna go. Yeah. You should go. I'm gonna go. So I had my sixteenth birthday
2: party at <laughs> Esther's folly. <laughs> oh wow! You had very liberal parents. Yeah, oh I did. I did. Oh
1: yeah, uh, <laughs> a- atheist parents. Yeah, uh, we as a about it on yeah. The,
2: the pie before.
0: Yeah.
1: Love that love love Mark Michael Barnes. Um I
0: just love the sound of his voice. Right?
1: Honestly, um so many great guests this year. Um another one that I just really enjoyed, what a breath of fresh air, was uh episode 8 of season 1 actually with Bree Jenkins. Um what a fun listen. And as a black woman, it was nice to see that diversity on the podcast, um, and to hear her speak to that diversity and that intersectional uh, like part of her life. Um, she speaks about often being the only black person in the room or uh, being the only black person within her community space, and I felt that because I often have grown up being the only black person in the room or the only for lack of a better word to say it, the token black of like certain groups and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. So it was just nice to have that visibility on the podcast. And the girl's funny as fuck. So what a great
0: episode. Brie walked in here and Brie was one of our guests who's allergic to cats. And she was going to push through. She was going to find a way. And she was someone who... I didn't know particularly well before she visited queer town and since our episode together she has been someone who i just really enjoy checking in with she is so warm she's so inviting and i, I remember the episode title was my chaos year of dating mm-hmm. and i'm really curious to check in with her now to see if 2022 actually was her chaos year of dating because it certainly was for me and I think we'll get to that in a bit but uh let's check out Bree's episode right now
4: here we go so music means a lot to me and so to be here it was it was really fun but I it didn't really click to me how white Austin was probably until like my third or fourth month living here and I was like I have not seen a black person in the grocery store in the mm. seven times I've gone in the last like few months. And that was really big for me. And then I started dating. And weirdly enough, the first person I dated was a girl I knew from back home. We did not move here together. Everyone thinks we moved here together and came out and had like, this huge lesbian romance. That's not <laughs> how it happened. Um, we just reconnected and dated for a few months. But really, talking to her, and she lived super north, and I lived south off South Congress, so it was like living in different cities. As you know, at the time. Um, yeah, we often
0: joke that it's it's, it's different cities.
4: It, it's like if it's you're in South Congress
0: world. and someone is
4: like north of 183, oh, yeah. that, that's a trick. No, you you live in Buta, yeah. like I will see <laughs> you live. You live in Round Rock. I live in Buda, Goodbye. Um, but yeah, so that was that was interesting to be two queer women. Two queer women, she's a little bit more androgynous than me, super short hair, a little more stocky, played football because lesbians. Um, So that was that was really interesting, like for us to go out and people for people to notice us. And for us, like we grew up with that was just normal, like no one really care. But then, you know, being in nonprofit work, I tended to be the only black person on my team or at the company period. And so that came with a lot of heaviness, too just feeling like the only voice that was there ever. And so that's been hard because while I really love Austin and the opportunities it's given me, it can also, for a long time, it felt very isolating. Um, luckily, over the last few years, a lot a lot of more black people have moved here, a lot more queer people of color, a lot of queer women, black women, um, women of color i have been able to connect with. But at first it was so daunting and overwhelming and just a complete culture shock. So how old were you when you moved here? 26. I had 26. just turned 26.
5: Okay. So New City, 26, mm-hmm. sort of have this realization of how, um, I mean, I'm imagining that's a pretty isolating experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How? Um, uh, what was your process? How intentional was it like uh, building community here,
4: basically? For me, building community meant leaning more into my queerness mm. um, and with women, more because i couldn't find a lot of people of color um so i just went to a lot of events i just would go to stuff alone so i would go to the gay bars with friends or i'd go volunteer i try yoga in the park i'm not a yoga person but i was like i will meet someone at yoga um and i ended up meeting two friends that i'm still good friends with now um but it was a lot of getting creative a lot of meeting people at work and volunteering and trying to build community in other ways um like I said, I I hold three intersections of being queer, a woman, and Black. So I was able to meet two of the three intersections and then, you know, building a community of women of color came sort of later, but it definitely has happened now. Um, One of my really good friends, Dante, we met at an event and we met, we we looked across from each other. We were the only two Black women there and made a beeline. Like, it was like, I see you, like the color purple, like just <laughs> us in the corner. <laughs> like You it was, knew. It was like spotlights. It was like, okay, and we've been friends ever since, and that's now six years later. But yeah, it was definitely just getting super creative, willing to be awkward of like, hi, I just moved here. I would love to meet people. What does that look like? And not being afraid to, to do that.
0: Oh my gosh, what a rock star Bree is.
1: love it. <laughs> um, and actually... We should probably check in on her chaos year of dating. Um, but another like amazing episode from this season was your birthday roast. I think that might have been the first time I was on the mic.
0: It was. It yeah. was. And I would love to just very quickly play the first <laughs> noise that you made in front of the mic. Because it was like a, a classic like Disney Channel original movie of someone who is walking up to the mic and is like oh my God, what have I done?
1: Why am I here? What, what choices led me to this moment? Hi, guys.
0: <laughs> well, I think you found your voice in front of the mic, and I'm so, so happy to have you here. Uh, but there was someone who actually was not in that episode. Uh, this is from uh, the editor's floor as they say For the cutting room floor the cutting room there floor. we go this next moment is from the cutting room floor uh it is from dylan Garcia, who actually guested with us in season two with iriel wesley uh but before that episode dylan had recorded a very incredible roast uh that did not make it into the episode so without further ado let's roast me one more time
1: in all its glory
6: Uh, Hi, everyone. Um, Mace asked us to share embarrassing stories from his dating life. And thank God Mace both has a lot of embarrassing stories about his life and B will tell you about them. Um, It's hard to choose because there's so, 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 so many to choose from. Um, but I want to choose probably the most recent story Mace told me. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, we you would think about a bad date, and, like, you know, there's red flags that Mace could have seen that his tiny little rose-colored glasses um, didn't catch. But actually this one comes from, you, you know, the, the red flags were coming from inside the house. Mace um, told me the story about one time he brought a guy over who was very... I'm um, open about the fact that he doesn't like cats, possibly allergic. And if you know anything about Mace, is that he has, what is that? That's right, cats at, what is that? His house. And where do they go? That's right, his house. Because um, if there's anything I know about Mace, is that he will listen to concerns. I'm just kidding. That's so mean. I didn't mean that to be as mean is that what just kidding I'm roasting you fuck you just kidding I love you <laughs> um that this guy who expressed that he doesn't like cats was brought into a den of cats and you'll never guess what the cats did that's right they read the room they're like this bitch doesn't like us and we're gonna make sure that he never likes cats ever again and uh that's right Amy me and or oscar attacked this poor unfortunate soul who braved Mace's apartment for the for the chance of Mace Bussy. And what was he greeted with? His number one fear. And who could have stopped it? Mace. I love you, baby. Never change.
1: Oh <laughs> good, that poor man.
6: Oh, man. You know,
0: I will admit when I've made a mistake, and that absolutely was one of those. And Kristen, just between us chickens, you are seated on the very couch that that happened on.
1: The stories this couch could tell.
0: <laughs>
1: Someone give it a mic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, uh, Dylan, thank you so much for remembering that colorful story from my past.
1: Yes, thank you, Dylan. I also have to call out from Dylan's in IRL's episode comes one of the best quotes from this entire series and you guys are talking about black well I think you're just talking about movies in general um but someone brings up Black Adam starring The Rock and you say oh man Black Adam gives me depression (laughs)
0: you know what i wasn't lying it fucking does that movie looks bleak and colorless and i'm gonna say something controversial but here we go let's do it i'm glad it bombed at the box office because i think we as people need to be choosing stories that at least look entertaining from the trailer god damn it
1: yeah absolutely i am I'm agreeing with you there. Thank you. Yeah, um, but shout out to The Rock. We know you're listening. Um,
0: <laughs> the we, Rock, a th- noted fan of Queertown. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> the Rock, I
0: I want to see you do more comedy. I want to see you lean into your natural charisma. I don't want to see you become a physical rock. Come on, man! <laughs> like you, you have so much depth and personality. Let let's bring it back.
1: Bring back the Tooth Fairy. Isn't that, <laughs> he? He played a movie a long time ago where he was like. No. I think it was Vin Diesel. That was Vin Diesel. It was. Well, shout out to Vin Diesel. We know you're listening.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Vin Diesel, also noted fan of Queertown. This is actually great because we did sit down with a filmmaker this year. We did, yeah. And this has been one of our most popular episodes since launching the podcast. It was with... I
1: think so. It was such a... Great episode.
0: I take a lot of pride in that episode. And I don't take a lot of pride in most things in my life. I think I am my own biggest critic. I am absolutely the president of the Mace Kerwick um, I Hate You" Club. <laughs> God. Uh, yikes, we'll remove that I one. will
1: like to join that club and dismantle it from within because <laughs> it does not deserve to exist.
0: It probably doesn't, no. Uh, but this guest was Ivy Chu. And I love Ivy with my whole heart. And an interesting thing, I think, before we get into Ivy's clip is that, and I talk about this in our episode with Michael Barnes, is that when I launched Queer Town as a podcast, I saw it kind of morphing into a record of queer life in Austin as it was happening. And since our episode with Ivy came out, Ivy... Uh, was going by she-they at the time of the recording, but is now fully going by they-them and is leaning into that gender-fluid, non-binary identity in a way that's really... um, Well, it's just quite touching to see a good friend of mine fully emerge as who they are fundamentally. And I had questioned updating the episode and updating the intro and then I realized no like kind of going back to you know the record of history in a way Mm -hmm. uh, I I wanted to leave that episode as it was but it's cool that we get to have a moment like this to look at how our guests themselves have changed and evolved since sitting down with us. So it's really cool to have that perspective. And I also love that that's just like the queer heart, right? That we can change and we can grow and we don't have to be beholden to who we were even six months ago.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, That episode has so many beautiful moments and I'm so glad that we do get to revisit it um, from, you know, the deep talks of like, religious trauma and kind of what it means to be queer in these christian spaces to you know how to be inclusive on film sets it was so wide ranging of like telling their story and their experiences it was just so cool to be a part of honestly
0: yeah because you were on set for that mm-hmm. one so that was really mm-hmm. cool to have Doing you with audio. us yeah and I think with Ivy's episode, something that we really touched upon for the first time with Queer Town is how our experiences impact our ability to understand and fully experience our queer identity. Mm-hmm. So take a listen. And I think you in particular have been exemplary in that regard of advocating for more inclusive sets. But yeah, when we were in, you know, lower tier roles on set. It is scary to even stand out in any way, especially on the crew side.
7: Yeah, I think queerness was just one more thing to add to my growing list of ways that I was other ways that I was different and ways that I would either attract attention. I didn't want or have reasons not to be hired Uh, because, yeah, it's only really in the The recent years where there's been a larger push to be more inclusive and i i'm very thankful that as far as queerness goes in the film industry i've never i i wouldn't say i've experienced any discrimination because of it and some of that i i probably is in part due to my own my own perspective of wanting to like keep that under wraps because of my uh ties to christianity and really for the sake of my parents too uh there there was this very large fear that my family in taiwan would find out Uh, any of the congregation that my parents have would discount their credibility Mm. there was yeah, it, it was very much like a safety precaution that I had, to, both for myself and for my parents. Yeah, that's really hard. That's really real.
0: It's so yeah. real.
3: Because it's affecting people outside of yourself. And it is your family. It's your family. Like, that's, it's big. It's really, really big.
6: So. And if it's
0: okay to ask, is your family okay with your queer identity, with Hannah, your partner, being in your life and the way that she is?
7: All things take time. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone deserves to process at their own pace. Yeah.
0: So another episode that I... Well, shit, you're supposed to be presenting things and here I am uh, bringing one to the table. Is that allowed?
1: Absolutely. Please do.
0: Okay, cool. Cool. So I loved our conversation with Treso Funk. He was, I think, the first guest whose episode we released on the show and it was really special getting to sit down with him he's someone that i've known for years now and just getting to talk about his experiences as a Latinx DJ in Austin was so, so cool. And it's actually somewhat seasonally appropriate because we recorded that a year ago and we talked quite a bit about our own relationships with Christmas. So if you're listening to this when we release it, you'll get a very seasonally appropriate uh, update on uh, all things Christmas. But the clip that we're going to be playing is uh, something that he touched upon uh, within the machismo culture that he grew up within and how that impacted his uh, queer identity because he didn't come out until he was in his late 30s. And so I think that was a fascinating insight and perspective
8: to get to shine a light upon.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Enjoy.
8: thing that I didn't really have any uh like i I really wasn't aware of how it was happening it was just kind of happening but then in retrospect it just all kind of like fell into place in that way so it it just was a really kind of natural thing that happened and i feel like maybe that was the best way for me versus like if i would have been like okay i think you know this is you know, I think I'm, I'm bi, I think I'm queer and just like make like a big announcement and then kind of like hop in and be like, Hey everyone, how's it going? (laughs) My name's Eddie. (laughs) I think I'm queer. (laughs) What do I do? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it it was a very like organic thing. And I was lucky to have like all these great people that were just kind of like showing me things and introducing me to things and like, you know just being really uh receptive and it, it was just really pretty gradual and i think that's also one of the things of like like for me it was when i was older you know it wasn't like hey you know i'm you know a teenager and you know kind of like with with all of the awkwardness and all of the things of being you know that age and then trying to like navigate that you know so it was a really organic kind of thing that happened hell yeah yeah
0: I mean, we love to make this joke. The best way to be an ally is to just, you know, have sex with the community. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> open heart,
8: open home. <laughs> exactly.
3: Um, that's amazing. Yeah, I guess, like, kind of keeping on the on the queer perspective, I think something that I'm so interested in is, you know, people who have been in Austin scenes kind of seeing the progression of... Austin and its queerness and how it's expressing its queerness. I guess from your perspective, like what? How have you seen things change? Maybe just since you've been been DJing or you know even going out. You know, how have you seen what has changed in in your opinion? And how do you see kind of Austin defining itself in its queerness? If that
8: makes sense. Um, I think in in like uh, a kind of general level. Um, drag has blown up yeah, here yeah. and it's just been and it's just like and it's and it's like everybody wants drag you know mm-hmm. it's not just like oh okay the show at Elysium or the show at oil cans or or nice. whatever it's like yes. everybody wants it yes. everybody loves it and um I think you know there is like a huge cultural kind of like impact in the cultural weight that that does have you know um and that's kind of one of the main things i mean because i feel like i don't know five plus years ago you know there was like you know if you were going to do a brunch, if there was like a dj gig for a brunch it was like just brunch now it's like a drag brunch you know and every all the different you know like places want to have you know like that drag element because yeah i mean it just is way more fun in terms of like you know Excuse me, in terms of like the audience or the experience, and you know the vibe, and obviously drinks are flowing and everything. So you know, like the girls are getting tipsy and and feeling themselves and having a great time. So like that's one of the main kind of things that's just like it's really like blown up. And I mean now there's like literally you know multiple drag shows like every night of the week.
0: Yeah, and we have some amazing queens here. Right? Yeah, and kings too for that matter. Yeah, I personally am so impressed with. Anyone who can get into drag for brunch <laughs> <laughs> that like, early. Like yeah. that is <laughs> dedication.
3: Right. And they deserve all of the dollar bills in your pocket. Yeah. yeah. I'm barely able to stumble to brunch.
8: <laughs> <laughs> they getting I mean, and then the summertime, I'm Ooh. just like, uh, I do not yeah. Um, Tip your drag queen. Yes. Yeah. So our...
0: BFF Javi wasn't able to be in person with us today, but he did record a fun little memo for us while he is, of course, on vacation. Javi, if you are listening <laughs> to this, which I hope you are, you I swear you have been on vacation half of this year.
1: And you know what? Good for you. Good for you. Aggressive kindness over here. <laughs> Good for fucking you, Javi.
0: I am celebrating your uh, vacation ability, and I'm a little jealous but I'm mostly celebrating okay but Javi thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy vacation <laughs> schedule to reflect back on the year that was and uh I think without further ado let's dive into Javi's message
5: uh hello citizens of Queertown uh it is I Javi uh, one of the co-hosts for this show um I wanted to call in for this episode. I'm currently in Tennessee visiting my boyfriend's family uh, in rural Tennessee uh, for the holidays. Um, But we have taken a break from family festivities uh, to drive to Nashville to take a Barry's class uh, and do a drag brunch. So... I don't think it gets any gayer than that. Um, But I wanted to call in and add my two cents for this show. Uh, And I would say that my favorite moment, really my favorite experiences of this year, um, despite having a a really incredible assortment of guests, I just kind of love it when it's me, Mace, and Laura. Because it's rare, with Laura being in LA. It's really rare for the three of us to get together. Uh, And so my moment comes from our season one finale, uh where we were a little stunned. uh and our assignment was to come up with the stoniest question and I, I think we threw some out there um and then Laura Laura really brought it home and, and, and it nailed the assignment with truly what is like the most high question of all which is do you like me? <laughs> this is my question. <laughs> this is
4: so
3: bad. Do you like me? <laughs>
4: This is what I wrote down. This is what I wrote down. This is so sad.
5: just a, a a beautiful, precious moment of of uh, vulnerability uh, that made me laugh very, very hard. Uh, so that's my that's my moment uh, that I will suggest for the episode. Um, thank you to everybody that works on this show. Thank you to my co-hosts. And of course, uh, thank you to everyone who has listened to us in this first year. It's been uh, a very exciting project to be a part of, and, uh, I'm so excited to see where this show goes. So, uh, thank y'all so much for a great first year. Uh, happy new year and yeah, we'll see you in 2023.
0: Peace. So we had a really, really remarkable episode come out in March with Audrey Perez. And I loved getting to sit down with that person. They were someone who kind of challenged my own perceptions with Austin. And I welcomed that with open arms. And something that I want to call out within this episode, if I may, is the final few minutes of our conversation, because I think a lot of the episode was a little heavier. It was talking about you know a lot of the anti-trans discrimination that's going on here in Texas. And I think for anyone who didn't make it through the entire conversation, the final 10 minutes really touches upon the need for hope and why that is such a vital, to cultivate within ourselves during these incredibly turbulent times. So this uh, next clip is something that I personally have touched upon within my own inner dialogue as I've been navigating the year that was. So I hope it provides a little bit of hope for you as well.
1: I love that. Enjoy.
9: Hmm.
10: Like, I think I've seen a lot of progress happen for transgender people and for the LGBTQ community in the last, what, 12 years since I came out. Um, And knowing, having that history that I get to hold on to is what keeps me going and believing that the next 12 years, um, there will be positive change for trans kids in Texas. Yeah. Though our electoral maps are pretty pretty screwy i don't know if democrats will ever be in power again but the good news is that there's trans republicans and democrats
5: (laughs) (laughs) i I mean that's what i'm like struck by is just like that's what's been hard for me personally in the last couple of years is maintaining hope uh Mm because things have been pretty bleak um so I'm glad to hear that you can hold on to that, because I'm sure that that is discipline. what what keeps you going, right? Uh,
10: I say this every single podcast, every single public speaking thing I ever do. But Miriam Kaba um, did a podcast interview. Uh, and I, I can't remember the name of the podcast, but it's about incarceration in the US. Um, and in it, she says that hope is a discipline, and it's something that she chooses to believe. Like, she wakes up in the morning, and she chooses to believe differently. Yeah. And it is a choice that you make. That you can make for yourself instead yeah. of falling into hopelessness and despair, and like you can also let yourself be hopeless and feel sure. despair every once in a while because sure. the the world is pretty bleak. Yeah, and like I think uh, without getting into toxic po- to- toxic toxic positivity, um, there's a way to hold both and still practice like hope as a discipline that you hold yourself to. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I do this work, right? Like my, I can't do this work without believing that a better world is possible. For sure. Like that is the basis of all, of everything. I have to be able to look at somebody and believe that they're capable of radical transformation and believe that they are capable of humanity and recognizing the humanity in transgender people and LGBTQ people in Texas and recognizing that is more important than their own political interests in their election, because that is
0: what they're doing fundamentally right now.
5: Yeah.
10: But again, it's a perpetuation of white supremacy.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what is something that someone who might be listening to this, who is not historically an advocate, um, what is something that they can do that would really benefit this crucial work that you are doing statewide?
10: Something that they can do. I have t- difficult conversations with people in your life. <laughs> I think that is what we all need to be doing more of. Um, educating ourselves, but also making sure that the things that we learn uh, don't stay only with us, right? You are the most powerful advocate for your circle of friends and family, um, and you can talk to those people in your life in a way that I will never be able to. And that is the only way I think that we're gonna see change happen. And you can also, like after having that difficult conversation with them, and it's gonna take years, right? Like it's gonna take a very long time um, to be able to get to a place where they might agree with you wholeheartedly in your values. Um, change doesn't happen easily and it doesn't happen overnight, but you like starting that conversation is the most important step you can take to continuing it.
1: Wow, I uh, love that, truly. There's often been episodes from both the first and second season that have left me just feeling kind of uplifted after. Like, they're just, I mean, we have funny, we have serious moments. Um, and the next clip I want to bring up is kind of one of those episodes that I listened to and after, I was just like, man, I'm so glad I spent like my hour doing that. It was so great. And that was with uh, with Kyle's episode. Mm-hmm. What a what a gem of a human. He is so vulnerable in what he brings to the episode. And honestly, I've, I've met him And just to life in general, he's like very open and it's kind of, it catches, like you kind of get caught up in it, but you also want to share a little bit more of yourself too.
0: Oh, absolutely. I think he's one of our only guests who cried while in front of the mic and he brought such depth and dimensionality to his vulnerability in a way that was very educational for me as someone who struggles to be vulnerable. And I really commend everything that he brought to that conversation.
1: Yeah, um, I can't wait to play this clip. Uh, I hope it strikes a chord with you listeners as it did with us. Enjoy.
0: It was a little striking to see you sort of regain health um, over the time that I've known you, but I don't know if you necessarily went back to being who you were before your diagnosis. It really seems like you have blossomed into um,
11: a, a more actualized version of yourself. I agree, um, I and it's crazy, because it's I guess it's that I thought I was living authentically before, And it's not really until and it's like I'm still working on it. I mean, it's like I I wouldn't consider myself like a fake ass bitch or anything like that. But I would say that, like, I am still working on like what even that authenticity is for me, because for a while I did think that that was that I was doing it. And then it come to realize, like, oh, no, like I actually I'm not an introvert. Like, I mean, I, you know, occasionally felt awkward and I felt weird and that was due to like growing up where i did honestly that really just boils down to like you know being called names for being myself as a kid and you and know how I, early did that start for you oh shit like that was you know <laughs> kindergarten first grade was when it first started you know public school fuck that's early and where was it you, you mentioned east, texas. Here. east, texas, east texas east texas yeah okay. and you know it was it you know it, it was fine Going growing up there and I still have like friends from then um, You know and that's all well and good But at the end of the day, it was just not a conducive environment to me at the time Authentically living as myself and it wasn't just you know, the queer issues. I mean also like being brown <laughs> And I mean it's I'm not even like all that dark but like in where I grew up. I I, I was um, mm. And so it was um yeah, it, it sucked all around Uh, looking back at the time it felt okay but yeah i i've been you know mentally preparing for this like i like twice now (laughs) because this is um i've been reflecting a lot on this because i've never publicly talked about my queerness as a part of my identity like it's always just kind of been like this is just who i am and um do you feel comfortable talking about it I don't know. The thing is, I feel like I do. And I do in private. I do with my friends. I do with my family. That's totally fine. Uh, it's just I've never it's ne I guess I've never felt like it's been interesting enough about me to talk about publicly because it's like I felt like a really bad example because it's like, OK, so a bisexual guy who ends up marrying a woman like. How typical, you know, or something. But your like story that. is anything but typical. <laughs> I would not put
8: yourself
0: in that box. I think yeah. that who you are is interesting. And that's why we have you on the show.
11: Also, that's why you're my friend. I know. Well, I appreciate that. And it, But that's really where I've been coming from, is that I just didn't feel like my story was helpful in the grand scheme of, like, queer stories. And, you know, it's just... With all the dialogues right now, it's just like, don't take up space where you're not needed, things like that. And I'm really trying to be like, I I don't know if I'm needed in that space. Like there's space where I know I am needed. I don't know if that's...
0: Well, I would push so. back against mm-hmm. that because yeah. that is something that we have really been sort of unpacking with these first few episodes of Queer Town. is how queerness manifests and who feels comfortable uh, getting in front of a mic to talk about it. And it's really interesting because I think... For most of us, we would say, and Javi, correct me if this is wrong for you, but I feel like yeah. for myself, I would say like, yes, I am queer, but also there's like all of these other things I bring to the table that are mm-hmm. so interesting, but like the way in which we are queer is all so
11: individualized. For sure. Yeah.
1: Uh, just love it. Just love it. Um, okay. Moving on along. Uh, the next person uh, whose episode I want to highlight was probably one of my favorites that we've done so far. It was... So fucking fun, like so fun. Oh my god, who was it? It was the episode with uh, Trace Thurman. Oh yes, yes. What a fun guy. Uh, it's it's always really nice and fun to just listen to someone talk so passionately about the things that they enjoy, and to hear him talk about you know horror movies and like queer horror movies and was just honestly so exciting. And I am the scariest person on or this.
0: You're the scariest person? Mm-hmm. Where, where were you going with that? Yeah, huh? yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm
1: scary. I'm mm-hmm. scary. No, I'm afraid of everything is what I'm trying to say. So <laughs> being in a conversation about horror films, I feel like I would not care that much or be that engaged. Complete opposite. Uh, it was also the first time we did Queer Time Quiz Time, which if you have not listened to an episode with that segment get on it cuz it's so fun.
0: I love my devious little game show. <laughs> I am so happy that you let me bring that into the show and Trace was the perfect person to kick off that fucked up little uh, element with and he he said yes and
1: yes and
0: <laughs> <laughs> enjoy this clip. <laughs> Hey, y'all. Welcome to the first ever Queer Town Quiz Time, a game show where subjective questions have objective winners. We're supported by... Actually, we're not supported by anyone just yet, but if you own a queer or queer-friendly business in Austin and want to sponsor this segment, let's talk. Sexy operators are standing by. Okay, but back to this game. Here's how this is going to work. I'm going to ask Laura and Trace a series of increasingly loaded questions... They will have 20 seconds to respond. They must respond within 20 seconds or a very scary buzzer is going to go off. Our producer, Kristen, will then pick her favorite response. So I'm asking the questions, but Kristen is the one who's picking her favorite. Um, The contestant with the most number of favorite responses will be crowned... Winner of this episode? I don't know. We're figuring it out, but you'll fucking win the episode, and that's huge. So wait, to, to clarify, this is not a
9: you get it right or wrong. It's literally who has the funniest answer yeah, or who, the
0: best answer. Who has the best answer, yeah. Based
3: uh, on Kristen's vote. I'm not yeah. going to be
0: good at this. So <laughs> I, I... No, you're great. No, no, no. no,
3: I think you are. Yeah. And that's.
0: I, I think you are, we'll and see. that's why we're trying this out for the first time with no. Trace. <laughs> I,
9: I, I'm funny when I'm not trying to be funny. When I'm trying to be funny, I'm not funny. <laughs> but we'll
0: see. We'll see.
1: Yeah, we'll see what happens.
0: <laughs> Yeah, Kristen's a generous judge. Be fair. We'll see. (laughs) That's the energy I'm looking for. Okay, all of this is to say we're gonna play a quick game. I will ask questions. Y'all will answer. k Wash will pick her favorites. Uh, cool. Sound good? Yep. Great. Um, Okay. Oh, just uh, like I should have like some nice like rule lingo with this. If you get a question correct, aka you're the favorite, you get five points. Uh and so whoever has the most points at the end. Why is it 5 instead of 1? You know, that would make more sense mathematically.
9: That's any sports could be asked that question. So it's Yeah.
0: Like- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um I mean, honestly, yeah, when you said earlier that's a weird question, I don't think you fully knew no. what, what I had going on here. I, I really didn't mean weird. I meant it more like I don't know how to answer that. Well, uh, get get comfortable with
9: that sensation because that's say, about to be. If I say horror, I'm homophobic. And if I say queer, then I
0: am not a true fan. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair. That, that was your uh, PR response. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to throw out a question and then – we don't have, like, buzzers for y'all, but you could just say, like, me, I'm ready to answer, and then you're, uh, maybe we do it better, is that, is that too cash? That's fine, we can do me. Okay, cool. I me. Think just me. Yeah, just answer. Yeah, yeah, okay, so from the moment you start talking, Drewski's gonna count down. Oh, okay. We're figuring this out in the moment, y'all. When you budget, oh, when I end my question, they have 20 seconds between the two of them? Oh, K-Wash not nodding your oh, head, that's too. A, I think that's fine. I think okay. it's fine. Wow, y'all, this, the stakes just got elevated. Yeah. Okay, shit. Okay, let's that, do this. That go. makes
9: it easier for him, too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, pitch a 1990s sitcom that isn't real, but should be.
3: Oh, fuck. There's <laughs> a family named the Gomez's, and they uh, look like the Munster's. And they eat each other's arms, only arms, in order to live. So they have to eat the arms slowly. Um,
9: I don't think you watch
3: sitcoms.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wait, okay, so to recap, we have a... Family sitcom where they eat each other's limb. I think she did the horror the horror conversation just <laughs> got, got to, got her. to her. <laughs>
3: I know. I really haven't been able to contribute much. So I think maiming has been my theme though throughout the whole limb loss.
6: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Is that what we're calling it? Limb loss? Yeah. <laughs> Coming to ABC this Friday night. Limb loss.
3: (laughs) Yes, that is the title.
0: (laughs) Okay, Trace. Uh,
9: I guess then what I'm going to say is we're going to have a halfway house of kids who have been thrown out by their parents for one reason or another. And they work in a cafeteria soup kitchen together and have relationship problems. (laughs) Whoa. It's not depressing though. And the soup
3: is made of limbs.
9: Uh, it's called Soup's Kitchen.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: am I right or am I right? Is you're that right. not fucking great?
0: You're right. I mean, you're always right, but that's that's part of what you bring to the table. Well. Well, Kristen, holy shit. What a year. What a year. What a show. It has been a delight and a half getting to work on Queertown with you. And I just want to give a huge amount of gratitude as a shout out to Laura, Javi, Drewski, and Lilo for helping us bring this show to the air each and every week and for keeping everyone who has tuned into this show so lovingly uh, satiated with all of the queer updates going on in Austin.
1: We couldn't do it without them. Honestly,
0: we really couldn't if this show was literally just me in front of a mic, I personally would be bored. So (laughs) I am grateful to have opened up my doors to uh, everyone who was uh, kind enough to sit down with us and to share a little bit about who they are and what they're experiencing here in Austin, Texas. And uh, to my cats, who have been absolutely awful this past year...
1: Excuse you, they have been the most perfect production assistants. How dare you? (laughs) Uh,
0: You say that, and yeah, like, how many times was I saying,
1: Oscar! (laughs) (laughs) So many times. Honestly, it's a highlight, though. It it would not be Queertown without the cats. It wouldn't be Queertown without... The wine. uh, The
0: wine. So much wine.
1: Drewski, insert wine pour here. We messed up the soundboard. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Let's see. There it is.
0: We don't know how to do it. We're
4: helpless without you. I love you too.
1: And it wouldn't be Queertown without you, Mace. Thanks for bringing us all here together to create something special, honestly.
4: Well,
0: thank you for being here with me. And I hope to see more of you in 2023.
1: See you guys later.
0: Bye, y'all.